Today's episode is sponsored by Hunt a Killer. We all know that life can get so busy with things like work, chores, school pickup, and drop off. Sometimes I feel like I never get time to sit down and spend some quality time with my husband and my friends. Well, that was until we found Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer is a new way to do game night that gives us the opportunity to have fun, work together, and investigate a crime without even having to leave the house. Hunt a Killer is a murder mystery subscription box. With each delivery, you'll get to sift through piles of documents, evidence, audio recordings, and case files, eliminating suspects and identifying murder weapons until you crack the case and catch the killer. It's like an escape room delivered right to your door. Everyone in our house loves Hunt a Killer because it's challenging enough to be fun and you can do it over Zoom with friends near and far. With over 100,000 subscribers and over 2,000 five-star reviews, you know you're in for a good time. Don't think you have time for a subscription? Well, there's plenty of other one-off mysteries and collections of seasons that need some solving. Oh, and my favorite part of this whole experience... Part of the proceeds from every box goes to the Cold Case Foundation, an organization that is dedicated to helping real-life cold cases. I have played through a few different Hunter Killer mysteries, and let me tell you, we are always screaming with excitement as we unravel some of the best true crime stories I have ever read. And you know I read a lot of true crime stories. Right now, you can go to huntakiller.com slash morning and use the code morning for $10 off of your order. Again, make sure you use the code MORNING for a $10 off discount at huntakiller.com slash morning. Two more murders, 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Having a strong belief system for some can bring peace to a person's life. But sometimes... Having a strong belief system can place you in a state of vulnerability that can easily turn dangerous. On March 26, 1997, the bodies of 39 people were found in a ritualistic suicide that saw vulnerable people, people who believed their leader with all of their hearts, lose their life in a quest for ascension. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Marshall Applewhite, the son of a Presbyterian minister and a former man of the military, began dipping his toe in the pool of biblical prophecy in the early 1970s. He had recently been fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas, for carrying out an alleged relationship with one of his male students. And just two years later, he met a woman named Bonnie Nettles, who would not only accept Marshall's word as law, but encourage his deep religious evolution. Bonnie, who, at the time of their meeting, was a 44-year-old married nurse with an interest in theosophy and biblical prophecy. According to Marshall, the pair met at a hospital where she worked and he visited a sick friend. According to some sources, it was a psychiatric hospital and that Bonnie was substituting for another nurse working in the nursery. Regardless, upon meeting, Marshall would claim that he knew Bonnie for a long time that they had met in almost every past life, and that their meeting was foretold by the same extraterrestrials who were pushing Marshall to take on his divine assignment. The pair's chance meeting would set off a domino effect that, as we know, would end up costing many their lives. Feeding off each other's passions, Bonnie and Marshall dove deeply into the lives of St. Francis of Assisi, 
read works by authors Helena Blavatsky, R.D. Lang, and Richard Bach, studied the words of the King James Bible and the New Testament as if their lives depended on it, and focused on the teachings of Christology, asceticism, and eschatology. Then Marshall took all that he knew and gave it a science fiction spin, and on June 19, 1974, he and Bonnie had the basic outline to help others believe as they did. Convinced that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and had a higher level mind than the people surrounding them that it was their responsibility to make sure that they led everyone else in the world in the right direction. Together, they wrote a pamphlet in which they described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan, who was clearly Marshall Applewhite, and said that they were the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation. They visited a few churches and spiritual groups to speak about their divine identities and referred to themselves as either the two or the UFO two, believing that they had been killed and restored multiple times and transported onto a spaceship. In hindsight, because we know how this story ends, the words of Marshall and Bonnie, later referred to as Doe and T, seem like a complete work of fiction. In fact, most existing religious communities scoffed at their beliefs and turned them away without any members lost. But when the pair tapped into a larger audience, placing advertisements for their meetings and spots in, quote, the crew, strangers from far and wide looking for a community to call their own saw something unique and special that they could be a part of. At events, which quickly started to grow in attendance, Marshall and Bonnie presented themselves as beings from another planet the next level, who were looking for active participants in a grand experiment, one that would ascend the participants to a higher evolutionary level. By 1975, a group meeting was held with about 80 people in attendance, where the couple shared their simultaneous revelation that they were the two witnesses written about in the Bible. After a few meetings and a growing list of group members, Marshall and Bonnie convinced each of the members who had gathered at a hotel in Walport, Oregon, to sell their worldly possessions, say goodbye to their loved ones, and vanish completely from the public eye. Later that night, Walter Cronkite reported about the mass disappearance, providing the first national report on the new developing religious group. From that moment on, living off the grid, Doe and T, or Bo and Peep, depending on what alias they were using, along with their nearly 100-person crew, traveled across the country sleeping on the streets and begging for money or food. All the while growing and developing their group, changing their name a number of different times, and recruiting new members from all around the country. Members who believed Marshall was inhabited by the same alien spirit that belonged to Jesus Christ, and Bonnie, who was presented as God the Father. They believed that God was actually an extraterrestrial and that in order to ascend to the next level, they had to give up all human-like characteristics. Things like family, friends, sexuality, individuality, jobs, money, and possessions. They also believed that there were evil aliens, called Luciferians, who falsely represented themselves as God and conspired to keep people from ascending. Aliens, both bad and good, who have access to things like spacecrafts, time travel, telepathy, and increasing longevity. The group believed, at Marshall and Bonnie's insistence, that all existing religions on Earth had been corrupted long ago by the Luciferians, who were working hard to keep everyone from developing into their highest selves. 
The group was popular, and over the decade, it was growing and evolving. Heaven's Gate, the group's final name, boasted a membership of about 50 or so members from vastly different backgrounds, and many of whom who described themselves as, quote, longtime truth seekers, who attempted to find themselves within the couple's teachings. For years, Heaven's Gate existed in a space that seemed, while unique, completely harmless. However, when Bonnie Nettles died in 1985 from liver cancer, things started to evolve into something a little more dangerous. Her death caused Marshall to revise the group's doctrine, something that had stayed pretty consistent over the years, and soon gained the reputation of a cyberculture form of religious thought reform. Their faith was shaken slightly when she died as they believed she had been chosen by the next level to be the messenger on Earth and that it was her who would help gather them all onto the spacecraft to fly off to their new planet. Yet, somehow, her body failed her and died rather than simply returning to outer space. That's when the doctrine changed to include the idea that leaving consciousness from the body, or dying, was the equivalent of leaving Earth in the spaceship. By the mid-90s, the group had gone completely reclusive, identified themselves using the business name Higher Source, and used their website to try and recruit new members rather than the more hands-on approach that they had taken in the years before. That's when rumors started to spread that the upcoming Hale-Bopp Comet would bring them their ultimate salvation, would finally help them to all ascend into the kingdom of heaven that they had been working towards for years. They believed that Earth would be, quote, recycled before 2027, and that their only chance of ascension was to leave their human bodies at the appropriate time, similar to what happened when Bonnie Nettles died. In January of 1994, with the comet idea still swirling in their heads, the LA Weekly ran an article on the group that attracted the attention of a man named Richard Ford. He eventually joined the group and renamed himself Rio D'Angelo. Then, in October of 1996, members of T's clan rented out a large home, which they called the Monastery, in Rancho Santa Fe, California, for about $7,000 a month. The same month that they purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 members and pay out $1 million per person. On March 19th and 20th of 1997, Marshall Applewhite placed the final domino piece down when he recorded the ever-infamous video called Doe's Final Exit, in which he speaks of a mass suicide as a way to, quote, evacuate this Earth, and asserts that a spacecraft was tailing Hale-Bopp, and this would represent the, quote, closure of Heaven's Gate. By this point, he had persuaded 38 of his followers to prepare for a ritual suicide so their souls could come aboard the UFO and make their final ascension. Each member made their own goodbye video and, just before their final act, updated the website to include the following message. Hailbop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to a conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. On March 26, 1997, deputies of the San Diego County Sheriff's Department discovered the bodies of 39 members of Heaven's Gate, 21 women and 18 men in the house in Rancho Santa Fe. This included the body of their leader, Marshall Applewhite. Each member was found lying in identical black shirts, black sweatpants, brand new Nike Decades, and arm patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team, 
with exactly one $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. A reference to Huck Finn saying it cost $5.75 to ride the tail of a comet into heaven. They had all secured plastic bags on their heads after ingesting applesauce or pudding laced with phenobarbital and washed it down with vodka. Once the member was deceased, a living member would arrange his or her body, remove the plastic bag, and pose them so they lay neatly in their bed, head and torso covered by a square of purple cloth for privacy. Forensics believe that their deaths happened over the course of three days and occurred in groups of 15, 15, and 9, and that Marshall was the third to last person to take his last breath. Prior to the last suicides, packages were sent out to numerous members of Heaven's Gate-affiliated individuals and at least one media outlet. One of those recipients was Rio D'Angelo, who, upon reading the letter and watching the VHS tapes of Final Goodbyes, asked his boss to take him to the Heaven's Gate home so he could verify the letter. When he arrived, he noticed the back door was intentionally left unlocked and used a video camera to record what he discovered. After leaving the house and telling his boss what he found, he was encouraged to make a call to authorities. He made an anonymous call to do a welfare check on the property and the bodies were found. When the news of the suicide made its way to the public, Alan Hale, the co-discoverer of Hale Bop, was inundated with phone calls. Upon finally discussing the topic, Dr. Hale discussed the popular lore of comets and their scientific significance. He then criticized the combination of scientific illiteracy, delusion, media deception, and the cult's yearnings, and how all of this played into the loss of human life. He claimed that, well before the news of Heaven's Gate, he told a colleague, we are probably going to have some suicides as a result of this comet, and said that, while many believe a comet has some sort of apocalyptic significance, we must use our minds and our reason to understand what it really is. After a copycat suicide from a 58-year-old man with no connections to Heaven's Gate, at least three former members took their lives in the months following the mass suicide. Two former members, Mark and Sarah King, still maintain the group's website. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on March 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.